we're seeing how being in Christ affects our everyday lives, or as it's described here, uh, how being in Christ affects our walk. So we saw last week that God has chosen to use just normal things to teach us and show us himself uh, and put his character and glory on display. The example last week was a marriage. A marriage is supposed to be a picture of the gospel. And it was all God's idea. We should enjoy them. And they should point back to the Father who has blessed us with them. We see throughout the Word, God has a structure for our homes. Uh, He has given men and women different roles. One is not more important than the other. uh, And neither gain us access or deny us access in and of themselves for men and women alike. Our sin denies us access and Jesus gains it. In God's structure, men are called to be the head of the home. <coughs> and women are called to follow or submit to their, hus- their own husbands. Now that looks different in different families. Submission has gained a, a negative reputation. But we can admit, um, when, when someone is called to submit to us, we kind of like that. But then when, someone's, when we're called to submit to somebody else, uh, not so much. The thing is, even in the word, submission is not just for wives. Ephesians 5.21, we're going to come back to this this verse often. Uh, It calls us to submit to one another out of the fear of God. And and fear of God means a healthy respect for who he is. It's a correct view of, of God, and in light of that, a correct view of myself. Having the fear of God says, God, whatever you say, it's right And I truly desire to follow it, but Lord, you have to help me with the desire. Um, So, I mean, you you, you talk about another attitude that we can add to the difficult-to-do list because this goes completely against our flesh, the old rebellious us before we knew Jesus. The residue that we've talked about, that James 3 talks about, uh, is often hard to overcome, but our example is always Jesus. We know that submission is not inferiority because Jesus submitted to the Father, whom he is equal with. Neither is submission dominance because husbands are called to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. God's call to lead our families is not a free pass for me to do whatever I want and then expect God's stamp of approval. Nor does it mean that our wives don't have an opinion, or that God has intended them to be a doormat. It's a call to love, unconditionally, sacrificially, because when we do, we are being a picture of Jesus to our wives and our kids who we know are watching. We're pointing back to God, the source who has given us all these blessings. His call for wives to submit is a call to respect. Respect your husband's call to lead your family. Respect the great responsibility that he has been tasked with. And if it is very clear that he is not living up to that calling, then it's a call for you to submit to God anyway. In prayer, humbly, uh, letting him know your struggles with how things are going, but also letting him know that you are committed to doing things his way and asking for strength, knowing and trusting that God is in control does, he, he has incredible desire to be a part of your relationships. When we do that, when you do that, wives, you're being a picture of Jesus. 
uh, what Jesus did to the Father. Uh, so, the uh, Lord knows it's not easy. The first blank's on your outline in the, in the message today. Obedience is worth it. The reward for obedience is worth it. Uh, chapter 6 uh, looks in deeper into our homes and even into our jobs. And so if you are able, out of respect for the Word of God, let's open up and read Ephesians 6, 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same thing to them, giving, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. So after, uh, after seeing a story about the rebelliousness of young people, one husband looked over to his wife and said, man, where did this generation go wrong? And she just calmly answered and said, we had children. And that was, that's, that's where we went wrong, you know. Um, if it weren't for children, uh, we may not uh, be as stressed out as as uh, we are at times, it would save every generation quite a bit of worry and stress, but it would also ignore the command that God gave us to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, so not only was the home God's idea, so is the family. He has a plan and structure to do, use just a normal family to teach us about him and put his glory on display. So remember, being in Christ, it brings unity in the church, in our marriages that we saw last week, and, we, and today we see four different areas. First is children and parents, the relationship between children and parents. <clears throat> so uh, verse 1 there, children, obey your parents, and all the, the parents said, Amen. Let's put that on a t-shirt and on a billboard. I mean, uh, let's go and build churches and schools and orphanages, right? I mean, this we might as well just have an altar call right now. Children, obey your parents. Uh, it's gospel truth, kids, right there. Um, again, God has a design for the home, and it is that kids are to obey their parents. But it's not just because. There are reasons. Um, first, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Notice what that verse continues to say. Now, we can look at that phrase, in the Lord, a couple of different ways. Uh, some kids are blessed here to have parents that are really in the Lord. Some of you had godly parents who are great examples of what parents should be. And if that is you, uh, you need to be thankful and, and not take it for granted. This verse applies to you. Obey your parents in the Lord. But we also know that there are others who um, have not had such great examples. Some ha have parents who are not in the Lord, and others still just don't act like it. And so this verse applies to you as well. Parents, obey your, 
excuse me, obey your parents in the Lord. As long as your parents are not wanting you to do something against the word of God or out of the Lord's will spelled out in scripture, then you're called to submit to their leadership, even if you don't want to. Because that's God's intended structure for you in your current stage of life. And when you do, you honor the Lord through that relationship. Uh, One of the big reasons children have a need for obeying parents is because uh, when they get old enough to accept Jesus, the patterns parents have set for obedience in their lives uh, often carry over as patterns of obedience toward God. And if they haven't learned to listen and obey parents, it's very likely that they'll have a difficulty listening and obeying God. And so again, the responsibility is great. Uh, There is so much more going on here than uh, just doing some chores around the house and, and, and listening to your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You know, uh, we often wonder, uh, what is God's right direction for my life? Well, for kids, it's spelled out right here. Obeying your parents in the Lord is right. It means it's, it's upright, it's, it's righteous, it's virtuous. It's not right for parents to obey kids. It's not right for kids to rebel or ignore their parents. Obedience to parents is right. And it it comes with a promise of reward. Verse 2 there. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So I've heard uh, this passage explained like this. There are three stages of life and therefore uh, three stages of parenting. They are child, adolescent, and adult. So you can, you can write that down. Uh, and so these verses in Ephesians that speak to all three, uh, to the children, those under age 12 or 13 or so, God says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We've already talked about that. But to the adolescent, those uh, 13 to 19, God says, honor your parents. So the question becomes, how... Do you honor your parents, especially when you already know everything there is to know about life? How in the world can you, can you do that? Well, um, obedience is still part of it. Uh, you're still called to follow their leadership. But I, I think honoring parents goes deeper to the heart and the attitude behind the action. Because you can obey your parents with a terrible attitude and not honor them. Honoring your parents means that you don't push the boundaries. Honoring your parents means that you don't argue about everything they say. To honor means to respect, to to place a high value on something. You place a high value on the fact that that God has placed you in your family and given given you your parents... For a reason. Do, do you value that your parents are working hard to provide for you? And they might actually have adult problems that you don't even, even have any idea about. Uh, with work and finances and, and relationships and all sorts of parenting. Listen, it, it is not easy. Especially uh, parenting the kid who's constantly dishonoring their parents who work their tails off to support them. These are just some things that I've observed through the years, after seeing many relationships between teenagers and parents. So we have child, we have adolescent, 
and then adult. So even as adult, we are still someone's child. And, and when we set a lifestyle of obedience and honor when we're young, then we will reap the benefits as an adult. Uh, so when you're 20 and older or so, it may be well with you and you may live long. So when we follow these, these biblical instructions, God uses the relationship between kids and parents to teach us about himself. Because Jesus was God's son. He perfectly obeyed his heavenly father and his earthly parents. He didn't argue with them. He didn't argue with God when he, when he instructed him to lay down his life. He always honored his father, speaking highly of him, staying within the boundaries that he set. And so I will ask the kids here today the same question I asked of, of spouses last week. Based your spiritual life on your obedience to your parents and how you are honoring them, how are you doing? I mean, really, what, what needs to change? What, what is the Lord speaking to your heart right now? The four relationships addressed here in these verses. First is child to parent. Second is parents to children. Parents to children. Uh, you'll notice that it is addressed to fathers there in verse 4. Uh, but the Greek word here is also used as parents in Hebrews 11.23. So it, it applies to all of us. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So uh, this is the only negative command in this passage. All the others have been telling us what to do. This one tells us what not to do. Do not provoke your children to wrath. Okay, so does that mean that we can't ask them to do anything that might make them mad? Of course not. It's children obey your parents, not parents obey your children. But there are right ways and wrong ways to instruct them. Just, just think about, parents, think about the, the conversations that you have with your kids. Are they always negative? Do you always uh, discourage rather than encourage? I've, I've known parents, especially dads, that do that. Are we always focused on whether or not they're getting everything done that we've told them to do, that they were supposed to do? Or are you able to have conversations about, about real life and what's going on in life? Because it's in those real conversations that you're able to speak wisdom and truth into their lives. And without those real conversations, you, you look more like an employer than a parent. And we know that is a different relationship. Do, do your kids know that you love them? There's probably people in this room that never heard the words, I love you, come out of their parents' mouth. Listen, you can change that for yours. These are just different things that, that provoke our kids to wrath. We can understand that phrase better as these are things that lead to bitterness in our kids toward us. And just like we saw the, the crazy cycle in a marriage last week, so the crazy cycle can happen with our kids. Bitterness begins to, to set in with them because of the harshness of their relationship with their parents. And so they begin to detach and that relationship becomes severed. And when they detach, they don't listen, which provokes their, their parents to wrath. And so they react with harshness toward their kids. And so bitterness sets in. And so it's just this vicious cycle. On and on and on it goes. And it doesn't stop until we take the word of God seriously. We're instructed to speak truth in love. 
We need to parent through the, the, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's living within us. In order to do that, we desperately need to remain close to the Heavenly Father and in His Word, growing in our faith, walking forward together with Him. It seems like it always comes back to that intimacy with Jesus, being in Christ. That's how it affects our relationship with our kids. In my experience, there are a few things in life that consistently ratchet up my prayer life more than having kids, especially now that I have a teenage daughter. <laughs> but I believe that's by God's design. You talk about another area with high stakes, raising kids is it. Are we doing enough? Are we doing it the right way? Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And that means more than just bringing them to church on Sunday. Don't put all the responsibility of your kids' spiritual development completely on Kevin and Raven and all the other volunteers. They are called to help, but you are called to lead. If all we ever do is provoke them to wrath, they will not likely not want anything to do with the Jesus that we claim to serve once they are out of the house. But when we parent like God wants us to parent, he uses the normal relationships we have with our kids to put himself on display and teach us about him. So if your spiritual life was based on how well you're doing as a parent, how well are you doing? What needs to change? Number one, children to parents. Number two, parents to children. Next, we move from the home to the job. Uh, you'll notice right there in verse 5, it says bond servants. And those would include slaves and hired servants. So when this was written, slavery was culturally accepted. Uh, it's been estimated that there were as many as 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire at this time. And so the letter of Ephesians would have circulated to those who became followers of Jesus, those, those slaves. Now the evils of slavery are not addressed in this passage, though we know the gospel opposes it. And so uh, if you or anyone you know finds themselves in true slavery, man, find help. That's not God's plan for your life. Reach out for help. Uh, because slavery is not acceptable in our culture, we can apply these verses to us and our jobs. So number three, employee to employer. Employee to employer. Look at verse five again. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. So whether we like it or not, the admonition for employees to employers is the same as child to parent. It is obedience. Actually, it's the same idea as 521 tells all of us. It's submission. That's why a lot of people work for themselves, and we'll get to you next, but he gives us some reasons. Uh, first, uh, because when we serve our employees like they've asked us to, then we're really serving Jesus. Notice the phrase, as to Christ, there in verse 5. So we have earthly masters, but our true master is in heaven. Uh, fear and trembling there in those verses. It refers to uh, respect, not fright. 
And sincerity of heart refers to being free from hypocrisy. So you don't smile at the boss when he gives you your paycheck and then rip him apart in the break room. If all you can ever do is seem to, uh, to, break, to, to rip the boss apart, then maybe it's time that you look for a new job. Not with eye service, verse 6 there, but as men pleasers. Uh, that's similar to uh, sincerity of heart. It refers to more of worth, work ethic and integrity. We don't just do our jobs well when the boss is looking, but all the time when no one is looking. Because we know that God sees it all. There's more to a job than a paycheck. It's a platform to exalt Jesus. It's a platform for us to to live on mission. If we truly know him, our employers see something different about us. But here's the deal. Our jobs can also be a platform for us to send the wrong message of who Jesus is. The wrong picture of the gospel. Wouldn't it be a shame if someone was turned off from the gospel because of the way we work or the way we don't work? Notice what we can know. Verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. So there's a promise that we can hold on to. Uh, So if your spiritual life was based on how you are as an employee, how are you doing? Tough question. but It's one that needs to be answered. Being in Christ brings unity to our relationships here at church. And our relationships that we've seen, children to parents, parents to children, employees to employers, and number four, employers to employees. There in verse 9, and you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So business owner, uh, your relationship with Jesus shouldn't be checked at the door uh, here at the church when, when you leave? Do you seek to please God with your business? Masters, it says, do the same things to them. So give them respect. Be sincere. Seek their welfare. Notice that phrase, uh, giving up threatening. If, if it seems out of place, it's because Roman masters had the right to put their slaves to death, even though most did not. And so God's word tells Christian masters that there's a better way to get the most out of your employees. Encourage them. Let them know that they're appreciated. Don't talk to them like a, like a child, but, but be a servant leader. Jesus told us in Matthew 25 that that's the way to be a ruler. Be a servant leader. Ultimately, your relationship with your employees is a platform to exalt Jesus and live on mission. But just like we said earlier, so is it a platform to paint the wrong picture of Jesus and turn people off from the gospel. Wouldn't it be a shame if people were turned off towards the gospel because of the way we were as their boss? So if your spiritual life was based on how you treated your employees, how are you doing? If, if you look ahead there in chapter 6, you may notice uh, we're, we're heading into the armor of God section next time. So that's going to give us insight on how we're supposed to do these difficult tasks correctly. But for now, if your relationship with Jesus was based on any of these relationships we talked about, how are you doing? 
We've talked about relationships here in Ephesians at church, with your spouse, with your parents, with your kids, with your boss, and with your employees. We know that our relationship with Jesus is not based on any of these, but all of these should be based on our relationship with Jesus. Last blank on your outline there. God wants to use all of these relationships as a platform to preach the gospel. But Satan longs to use them as a platform to destroy. Who's using your platform? Being in Christ, it affects us differently. What's God saying to your heart this morning? As we go into a, just a time of reflection and invitation, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I, uh, I realize this is probably a familiar passage to many of us. And I am, as always, uh, thankful today that the Lord speaks through his Holy Spirit beyond what the messenger says. And so what has he said to you? Most of us are in um, one or more of these relationships. Which one needs the most work? Maybe you're here and, and, and the, uh, the topic of, of children, it just brings a, a burden to your heart. You need to lift up that relationship to the Lord here this morning. Maybe you're here and the topic of, of parents brings a burden to your heart. Maybe you need to lift up that relationship to the Lord and ask for, for grace and peace reconciliation allow the Lord to work God we, we love you and, and we thank you for your word we thank you for how it and it applies to our lives Lord this ancient book applies to our lives no matter what stage of life we're in Lord we, we claim the promise that your word will not return void we ask you to meet us where we are, as you always do. Lord, if there are burdens, just a heavy weight with any of these relationships, I pray, Lord, that you would reconcile, that you would give a peace that passes understanding, that you would change hearts, because ultimately we know these are, these are heart issues. Lord, we just declare that we need you more than anything. And so, Lord, as we leave this place, I pray that our relationship with you would not be checked at the door. But that we would take it and, and, and you would use our lives as a platform to preach the gospel wherever we go. Give us the strength to do it, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus.